Thank you for listening to the podcast of Bible Baptist Church. Please visit our website at www.southbaybbc.org for more information. It's been said that uh, when you have a family reunion or you have a group of people together, maybe you're having a, a, a party at your house or something like that, it's been said that there are two things that you should never, ever bring up. You should never talk about these two things because you're always going to get into some argument, some fight, some dispute. You are never supposed to talk about religion and you are never supposed to talk about politics. Never. Because everybody's got their own opinion. Everybody has their own belief. And, and it seems like whatever your belief is, that nobody's mind will ever be changed. And so what are we going to do this morning? We are going to talk about religion. And we are going to talk about politics. We are going to talk about those two things that people say that we are never supposed to talk about. Uh, Obviously, this Tuesday is uh, the election day, and uh, there's a lot of go, uh, things going on. Uh, there's the election for the president. There are uh, propositions here in California. There's a lot of different things going on. And so here I am and uh, thinking about it, and uh, I just, uh, just moved here. I don't even know who's you know, really running for election here in the state of California and things like that. Um, but uh, I do know this. There's a lot of concern on both sides. Everybody in America is concerned about this election. If you're a conservative, you are concerned. If you're a liberal, they are concerned. Everybody seems to be concerned about this. But I did want to preface this, uh, that this message is not about who you should vote for. Okay, I'm not going to tell you who you should be voting for. I'm not going to tell you uh, this is the candidate in this, uh, for the president or for uh, you know, whatever senator position. I'm not going to be talking about any of those things. I'm not even going to be talking about principles you should use for how you should determine who you should elect. There's a lot of biblical principles I think that we can and should take when it comes to election, who we want for our public elected officials. And there are many principles there, but we're not really going to take a look necessarily at that. But I did want to say this, Proverbs chapter 14, verse 34 says, Righteousness exalteth a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. I did want to say that I want my country to be exalted. I want my country to do well. I want my country to be blessed. I want these people to be blessed. I want America to do well. You know, Time Magazine just came out with uh, their recent cover for their magazine. And I don't know if you've seen a picture. I don't have the magazine, so I don't know what the article was about. I just saw the cover, and I think there's kind of a little play on words here. But it's a picture of Donald Trump and a picture of Hillary Clinton standing together. I'm sure this is photoshopped. They're standing together holding a sign. It's just a big white sign with the words, the end is near. And uh, I think that maybe for some it just means, oh, finally this political season will be over. The end is near. But I think for those pessimists, they think the end is coming. The end is going to be here and the world will end on Tuesday. And uh, I think that many, many times that's the view of politics today. They just don't want to get involved. They just want the political season to be over and all, and, and all of these things. And to be honest, I have no idea when Jesus will come again, but I will say this that I love America. I love my country. I love being here. I love that my parents had come here. They had immigrated there. And I understand it's not perfect. 
We're full of people who are sinners, every single one of us, and our elected officials are sinners, and we are sinners, and, and every single person is here. I understand that our country is not perfect, but I want you to know there is hope for America. No matter what happens on Tuesday, there is hope for America. No matter who becomes president, there is hope for America. No matter who becomes the governor or the mayor or the senators or congressmen and women, no matter who it is that gets elected, no matter what bills uh, get passed or don't get passed, no matter what propositions pass or don't get passed, I want you to know that there is hope for America. When you read the verses here in the book of Nehemiah, Nehemiah is hearing about his country, about the nation of Israel, about the city of Jerusalem. It was in a bad, bad place. The walls were broken down. The gates were burned with fire. Uh, the, any nation that wanted to just come and just take over the city, they could do it without any defense. And, and uh, thieves could just come in and just take whatever they wanted. It was a bad situation for Nehemiah. But Nehemiah in this situation still had hope. And I hope that you have that hope as well for your country. You might look at the situation and think, man, it's getting worse and worse. And I, you know, just in a general sense, looking at our country, I feel like in many ways it is getting worse and worse, but there is still hope for our country. Are you hopeful? Do you have that hope? Just like Brother Sanko was saying this morning, I know who holds tomorrow. Because I know who holds tomorrow, I can have hope. You don't have to have this doom and gloom. Oh, America is going down, and our country is going down, and our churches are going down. There is always hope because we have the Lord. And as long as we have the Lord, there is always hope. And I see three characteristics in Nehemiah that brought about his involvement with the government. Just in a real practical sense, Nehemiah got involved with the government, in his case, the king. And we'll take a look at this, but I really believe that we need to have these three characteristics. Sometimes people want to withdraw, and they don't want to get involved in anything. They don't want to talk about anything. They don't want to deal with any of this. But I think uh, there are several characteristics with Nehemiah that brought about his involvement in this situation. Number one, I see that he was passionate about people. And we need to be passionate about people as well. When we look at Nehemiah here at the beginning of the story, he's just working a normal job. He's there in Shushan, the palace. He's a cupbearer, and so he just has a job. He goes there. Maybe it's a nine-to-five job where he gets in, and he's there for every meal that the king eats. And, and he goes there, and he works, and then he comes home to his family. And he has a wife, and he has maybe uh, several kids. And so he's just enjoying his evenings with his family. And he gets to spend time with them, and, and maybe he gets a day off here or there, and so maybe he takes his kids out to Disneyland, or he takes them out to Legoland there, uh, right next to Shushan, the palace, and, and he's just kind of working a normal job, maybe he has a couple of hobbies, you know, maybe he uh, works with his hands, or maybe he likes to uh, garden or something like that. He's really just a very normal, ordinary guy. He has a different kind of a job, but in a very real sense, he wasn't that much different from you and me. He probably had a pretty comfortable life if he was that close to the king. Whereas the king knew who he was, so he was probably doing well financially, and he lived well. And so I'm sure that, you know, he didn't have to worry about things breaking down. He could, he could just purchase a new one, and, or get it fixed, or get a new one. And if his kids walked into Toys R Us, and they saw something, he probably could just purchase it. He probably lived a, a fairly comfortable life. 
But as you read the book of Nehemiah, what you see is that Nehemiah left the comfortable life to go back to Jerusalem, to that city where the walls were broken down and anybody could come in and conquer them and steal from them. He left his comfortable job there and he went to Jerusalem in order to build the wall. And then he went back and then he actually went back to Jerusalem again. Why would he do that? Why would he leave his comfortable life? Why would he leave the comfortable position that he had? Why would he depart from that situation that he was in to go to a much more dangerous situation? When you read in Nehemiah verse number 3, verse, chapter 1, verse 3, it says, And they said unto me, The remnant that are left of the captivity there in the province are in great affliction and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem also is broken down, and the gates thereof are burned with fire. And it came to pass when I heard these words concerning his people that I sat down and I wept. You know what brought him to leave that comfortable position? It was that he loved his people. He loved those people. It was his brothers and his sisters. Maybe he even still had some relatives over there living in that part of the country. He loved them so much and he cared for them. When he had heard about their situation, in his mind he said, I cannot just and just do whatever I'm doing and live my comfortable life. I have to do something for those people. I have to go and help those people. And it's important that we become aware of what's going on around us. Everyone has needs, I understand that. Sometimes we have health needs, sometimes we have financial needs, sometimes we have emotional needs, physical needs, sometimes we have needs uh, relationally, but it's also important to recognize the needs of other people. Sometimes we're so absorbed with our needs and our issues and our problems, and I'm not trying to diminish any of those because they're just as big for me as for you and you as for other people, but I do want us to be conscious and be aware of the problems and the issues in the lives of others. It's easy for us to kind of just uh, close ourselves down and just kind of think about our own life only while at the ignorance of what is going on around us. Let's just be honest about politics, which is this. Politics affects people. It does. The politicians affect the lives of Americans. They do. The laws that they pass changes the way that people live. It changes the way that they can do certain things or not do certain things. It affects their financial situation. It even affects them socially. When you consider all that is going on and you consider uh, the, the amount of influence and power that simply comes from all of the money from taxes being given to the government and how that money is being spent or not spent, there's a lot of influence there. And it affects our lives greatly on what is here, what is not here, how it affects us. When you consider the president or you consider congressmen or you consider the Supreme Court and you consider their decisions, boy, there's a big effect that is, is going on on the people of America today. When you consider the judgments that are coming down by the Supreme Court, that really affects us. It does. You know, uh, last year when, when the Supreme Court came out with that ruling about uh, same-sex marriage, man, that, that changed America in many ways. It did. It changed the way that people thought. It changed the pe- uh, some people's viewpoints on the issue. It changed the way that some people lived. It changed them. It changed many people. And then when you see the White House being lit up with all of those colors on that day or the next day or whenever it was, you can know that that changed the, the viewpoint of some people. 
oh, if the president of America is like this, then, then I'm going to be like this too. And, and you can see how socially it affects people, financially, economically it affects people. And I think that if you uh, love and care about people and you care about the people of America, there is something that is in you that says, i got to do something. I may not be able to do much, And I understand I'm not like Nehemiah. We don't have a king, and I don't know the king. And so it's not quite so simple or easy. But I believe there are some things that we could do. And if we love them, I believe that in some way, in some sense, it'll bring us to get involved. John chapter 3, verse 16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. We talk about this a lot. If you love someone, you will do something for them. If I love my wife, I will do something for my wife. If I love my family, I will do something for my family. In the same way, I believe that if we love people, we will do something. We won't withdraw. We won't just, you know, kind of ignore it. We will want to do something. It's been said, the only thing necessary for the triumph of evil is for good men to do nothing. And I hope that we won't be a group of people that will do nothing. I hope that we'll do something. And I understand, uh, you know, you, you might consider yourself in the cal- state of California. Man, I'm going to vote for this person and my vote won't count. And I understand uh, maybe that viewpoint and that situation. But let me also say that your involvement does matter. There are other ways to get involved. Uh, but let me say this. Loving people will move people to action. So number one, let me encourage you to really consider being passionate about people and being moved to do something about it. Number two, we see be pursuing possibilities. Because like I said, if we care about people, if we love people, we will find ways to do something for people. Here is Nehemiah. He's just working a job and and he's there and and he loves his people. He hears about this situation and he hears about what's going on with his people and it drew him to think these kinds of thoughts. I, I live and work in the palace. I personally know the king. I see him every day he is at work. I think the king might be able to do something about it. So I'm going to try going to the king. I'm going to try talking to him. And who knows, maybe the king would have said no. Of course, we know the story. We know what happened. But Nehemiah didn't know what was going to happen. He might have said, king, uh, my people are in this situation in the city of Jerusalem. I have to do something. And the king might say, no, I just don't care about him. He didn't know that, that he would respond in that same way. But what he said and thought was, there's an opportunity here. It's at least a chance. So let me try something. I think the same is true for believers. That we have opportunities that are lying here before us. The possibility is here. There is something that we can do in order to get involved. Because to be honest, most people never even had a chance to elect who was going to rule over them. Whoever was going to rule over them was whoever was going to rule over them. The Apostle Paul didn't get to choose who the Caesar was. It was just whoever it was. He didn't get to choose who his local leaders were. He didn't, he didn't have any of that kind of uh, ability or power or influence. But we as Americans, we do. We have a unique possibility and opportunity that many other people do not have. And in this special case, we see that Nehemiah had special access that other people did not. 
in verse number one, we see um, at the end of the verse, it says that I was in Shushan, the palace. In verse number 11, it says, O Lord, I beseech thee, let now thine ear be attentive to the prayer of thy servant and to the prayer of thy servants, who desire to fear thy name and prosper, I pray thee, thy servant this day, and grant him mercy in the sight of this man. Who is the this man? It's the king. When Nehemiah went to the Lord in prayer, what he said was, God, I know the king. God, will you help me get favor in the sight of the king so that something can happen from this? There was a possibility that Nehemiah had that other people did not have. His people in Jerusalem, they didn't have that opportunity. The people in Israel, they didn't have that opportunity, but he did. And because he had that opportunity, he felt obligated to use that opportunity. Number two, we see the potential is here. In verse number five, it says, And I said unto the king, If it please the king, and if thy servant have found favor in thy sight, that thou wouldest send me unto Judah, unto the city of my father's sepulchres, that I may build it. And the king said unto me, the queen also sitting by him, For how long shall thy journey be? How long are you going to be gone? And when wilt thou return? So it pleased the king to send me, and I set him a time. Moreover, I said unto the king, If it please the king, let letters be given me to the governors beyond the river, that they may convey me over into Judah. Number one, we see that he was given permission. The king gave him permission that no other person could have given him permission for. He was also given protection that we see here in verse number seven. He was given a special protection that other people would not have been able to receive. And in verse number eight, we see that he was given provision. And a letter unto Asaph, the king, uh, the keeper of the king's force, that he may give me timber to make beams for the gates of the palace, which appertain to the house and for the wall of the city. This was something that only the king could give. Only the king could have given him permission to do this. Only the king could have given him protection to do this. Only the king could have given him provision to do this. That's why he went to the king. Because the king had so much potential. And I think there's a lot of potential when it comes to what the government can or cannot do. And lastly, I also see that the person is here. Verse number 11, when you see at the very end, it says, For I was the king's cupbearer. What Nehemiah knew was, I'm the one in this position. Therefore, I'm the one who can do something about it. Therefore, I'm the one who should do something about it. In Esther chapter 4, verse number 14, it says, For if thou wilt altogether hold thy peace at this time, then shall there be an enlargement and deliverance arise to the Jews from another place. But thou and thy father's house shall be destroyed. And who knoweth whether thou art come to the kingdom for such a time as this? I really believe that God put certain people in certain places at certain times in order to influence for certain situations. And who knows whether it's us here in this time, in this place, for us to get involved, for us to have some participation. And I think we ought to participate because we are passionate about people, because we want the best for people, and we want what the Lord has for people, and maybe that means for us to get involved. So if you're thinking about maybe I'm just I'm going to pass, I just don't want to think about it, let me encourage you to get involved in some way, use some biblical principles. But number three, point number three, this is the most important, I want us to say that we need to be praying to the potentate. We need to be praying to the Lord. We need to pray to God. Nehemiah's first response when he heard about the situation was not, he didn't run to the king. The first thing that he did was he went and he prayed to God because he knew, Proverbs chapter 21 verse 1 says, the king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. As rivers of water he turneth it, whithersoever he will. 
I want you to know that while I want to be involved with government and I think that people should be involved in ways that will make a positive difference, I want you to know that my hope for America is not in the government. I want you to know that my hope for America is not in some presidential candidate. I want you to know that my hope for America is not in some politician. It's not in some uh, document that was written. It's not in, okay, if we just get this guy into government, then we're going to have some hope. And if our person is not elected, then there's going to be no hope. And we need to have these laws to pass. I want you to know that we can have hope for America no matter who is elected because of God. Because we know the king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. And while I'm uh, convinced that uh, some, some Christians maybe need to get involved in government, and there are some that are called to maybe run for some position, maybe their, uh, their, their uh, place here on earth is to get involved personally and run for election and, and do these different things. I understand that that's not for everybody, but I want you and me and everybody to know my hope has never been in a politician. It's never been in Congress. It's always been in the Lord. Because Psalms chapter 127, verse number 1 says, Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh but in vain. We can do what we can do, and we can do our best, but if the Lord doesn't build it, it doesn't matter. And so we need the Lord's involvement here in our lives. We need the Lord's involvement here in our church, and we need the Lord's involvement in our country. Psalm chapter 22, verse number 28 says, For the kingdom is the Lord's, and he is the government, he is the governor among the nations. My hope is not in some king, it's in the king of kings. And it's in the Lord of lords. And it's in the creator of the universe. And it's in the sustainer of all mankind. It is in the almighty, the savior of the world. Because God is stronger than any politician. He is wiser than any judge. He is better than any person on the planet. He is the one that we need to put our hope in. And so while I hope that you get involved in some sort of way, and while you take some biblical principles and applying them in in politics and government, I hope that you never lose sight of the fact that your hope is never in a person. It's always in the Lord. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15 says, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. My hope, the hope that he is talking about, is not the hope in a country. It's not hope in a, in a, in a, a, a governor or in a ruler. It's not in a group of people. His hope is in Jesus Christ. And I hope that your hope is in Jesus Christ as well. That you don't get uh, lost in all of the debates and get lost in the, in the character and get lost in all of a, uh, what is being said about all of the different people involved. I hope that you always maintain that your hope is in the Lord. So we need to pray to God. And we also need to pray for governors. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse number 1 says, I exhort therefore that first of all, supplications and prayer, intercessions and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings... And for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth. Here is the Apostle Paul. He's writing to Timothy and he says, let me encourage you, challenge you, pray for everybody. And that includes the kings. That includes the rulers. And why should we pray for them? Verse number two, it says, For kings and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. Let's just be honest. If we have a good ruler, we could live our Christian lives as the Lord would have us to. 
But if we have bad rulers, they could implement laws and rules that will make it difficult for us to live as we ought to. Uh, not to give too much of a, a, a giveaway for some of our missionaries, but some of our missionaries are in dangerous places. I was reading about uh, you know, uh, one, one missionary who um, is in a place where they're not supposed to be gathering together and worshiping. And somebody who I think used to be a part of the church or something like that uh, came to that meeting and just started causing trouble and he called the police and, and everybody in that congregation had to grab all of the materials there and they had to all scatter. Man, can you imagine that? Somebody just running in and saying, hey, I see what everybody here is doing and I see your Bibles and I see all of this. I called the police. It's illegal and and we all have to grab all of our possessions and get in our cars and scatter and go our separate ways. Can you imagine having to do that? Man, the government can really make life difficult for believers. And that's why we need to pray for them. Pray for the president. Right now is President Obama, and he'll be president for the next several months until January. Pray for President Obama. And pray for the next president, whoever that may be. Pray that we will be able to live a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. Pray for Governor Brown. and Pray for the senator uh, of your district here in California. And uh, here in Gardena, we have Mark Henderson. He's the uh, mayor pro tem for uh, this city. Pray for him. Pray for your leaders that we will be able to live a quiet and peaceable life. We have hope for America because we have the Lord, so pray to God, pray for governors, but lastly, let me encourage you to do this. Participate in the gospel. Participate in the gospel. Because you know where God put most of his emphasis in the New Testament? The church. Most of the emphasis of the New Testament was given to the church. Where were the epistles written to? They were written to churches. The church at Thessalonica, the church at Ephesus, the church at Philippi. It was written to pastors of churches, Timothy and Titus. It was written to members of churches. God sent the epistles to the churches. He didn't write it to the Roman government. He sent missionaries to start churches, not government revolutions. And so while I think that believers should have some involvement in politics, while we have the freedom and ability to do so, I think even more so believers should be involved in their local church. Wouldn't it be wonderful if our country, in our country, everybody just did what the Bible said? Wouldn't that make for a great country? Every single person just did whatever the Bible said. We're going to love each other. We're going to love the Lord. We're not going to lie. We're going to love each other. We're going to serve each other. We're going to help each other. We're going to do all of these things. We're, We're going to obey all of the law of God. Man, can you imagine what kind of a wonderful country we would have if we did that? If everybody did that. But you know, that's not possible outside of salvation. They need to get saved first. They need to have the Holy Spirit to live inside of them. And then they need to yield to that Holy Spirit so that he can empower them to do those kinds of things. So if we want a great and wonderful country, we need to be involved and participate in the work of the gospel. We need to see people to be saved. We need to see them to be indwelt with the Holy Spirit. We need to see them yield to the Holy Spirit and have the power to uh, follow the word and the law of God. So let me encourage you to be involved in your local church. If you care about your community, if you care about your country, one of the best things that you could do is be involved in your local church. Don't just come to the church. That's important. I think that's a wonderful thing. But let me encourage you also to serve in your local church. Be involved in your local church. Maybe it's some teaching position. Maybe it's in some outreach into a a public school. Maybe it's coming here and just greeting people, whatever the case might be. Let me encourage you to bring people to the church. 
Let me encourage you to share the gospel with somebody else so that they could be saved, so that they could be discipled, so that they could grow, so that they could repeat the process with other people. And I really believe that the hope for America lies in the Lord and the Lord's working in people. So I have hope for America because we still have a church, because we still have the word of God, and because God has not taken his Holy Spirit away yet. We have hope for America And while we have the opportunity, let me encourage you to be involved in what you can do. But let me encourage you even more so, get involved in your local church. Let me encourage you to pray to the Lord. The best thing that you could do is to do these things. And I think that if we do so, there is hope for America. It doesn't have to be doom and gloom here in America. It doesn't have to be, well, things are going bad and it will just always continue to go bad. No, it can turn around because of the Lord. So let me encourage you, get involved. Do what you can in the places that you can.